Hi, and welcome to Gamers Explain, a channel dedicated to tabletop role-playing games, particularly play-by-post using gamersplain.com. In the segment Player vs. Player, I interview users from Gamersplain in order to find out how people use the service and engage in play-by-post gaming. Hopefully, we will learn from each other and improve our own games, and maybe have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, I have Player vs. Player, where I will interview a user named Runkendig, and we will discuss whatever we want. Following the interview, there will be a meme of the week, QQ and AA, my own version of viewer mail, and then Krolockian lore, a short tip and trick to using gamersplain.com. I'm Krolock, and this is episode four of Gamers Explain. Hi, and welcome to Gamers Explain. I'm Krolock, and I have with me Runkendi. Yeah, which I've probably just butchered, but ah, uh, not so bad. <laughs> uh, is the Danish pronunciation? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so you're in Denmark. Yes, I am. And now, are you on the main island or on Jutland? Or uh, I'm in the well, the main island. There's loads of islands, but uh, yes, I, I'm on the the main island where we have our capital. Copenhagen. Uh, yeah, in Copenhagen. I, I, I work I work in, in in Copenhagen and I just commute a bit outside Copenhagen where where me and my family will live. Um, and yeah, the, actually the kind of the origin story to, to why I got into to uh, uh, play by post because we we had a daughter and uh, all of a sudden i didn't have time for my favorite pastime that was uh, tabletop role playing games so i had to find a outlet for the itch and uh, then i started looking around um i had played some play by post on facebook uh we were a group uh that made a facebook uh, facebook group where we played a firefly adventure oh, okay uh, and then it was just make a major make a post set a scene and then we commented uh, on on that scene and then that was our game uh, and then make a new scene new post and then these uh, these uh, the, the it, it worked um we had fun well, Facebook's kind of weird, though, because posts don't always show up on other feeds unless you go looking for it, and that things aren't always in order. But it, you probably yeah. just got used to it. Yeah, well, we, we had... Uh, uh, it was the time when, the, when groups were really a group. Uh, so we navigated into the group, and we got a notification when somebody had written in the group. Um, and then we could go in and, and, and respond or take actions or whatever. Um, but it was, I don't, I don't think that the current version of Facebook really supports that kind of game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was was very typical uh, uh, Scandinavian or Danish way of play by post. Uh, it was a corroborative storytelling. Um, and we all agreed on this is the boundaries and what should we do and and then had some basic ground rules and then we just went with it right um and we had a, a chat on the side where we could have a a a, a out of character chat and say i want to go in this direction what do you think i want to go in that direction 
Um, and I see a lot of Danish play by post in, in that aspect. And not that many that are going with systems like, like uh, we are. We are we're going with, when I say with system, we're going with D&D and World of Darkness and GURPS and whatever. Um, but you know, but one, this... one of my first um, experiences with online play was in uh, back in the day before Google just took over everything. There, you had a variety of search engines and one of them, Excite.com, was fairly popular and they had... Um, they had an online presence called Virtual Places. So it was sort of like a avatar-based chat room group. It was kind of graphical, but it was mostly just text. And people would role play there all the time. But usually it was, so I joined like this vampire game and um, you'd, you'd be in the room and it's like, like a dark whisperer enters the room. He moves to a corner and hides and broods. And then somebody else would come in and they'd move to a corner and they'd brood, right? And it was just like this octagonal room with all corners so people could brood in it. It was really lame. <laughs> yeah. well, it, it, but it's a place to start. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> yes, it was lame. And then by, by George, the, the first games we played or I played, it, it was corny as hell. Um, but but that's where you begin, and and then you you start getting finding somebody you click with and 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 getting some some more depth and you 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 push yourself or you find you can expand your boundaries with because this is a safe space to to experiment and to be more uh, to play more play deeper. Yeah. Um, so you've you've experienced. Um... When you were playing prior to going to play by post, were you doing a lot of the more collaborative storytelling around the table as well, or was it yeah. more system based? It's both. Both. Uh, we have a a, a, a role playing convention that's called Festival uh, each uh, each year, where it is a cooperative storytelling, or somebody have written a scenario that we play through. That's seldom there's any real rules. That's just, they, they set a scene and then we interact with the scene. We have a character and then we go through the adventure uh, together. Uh, and these games are very, very system light. Uh, and um, in the end of the convention, they are uh, rewarded like, just like the Oscars. Okay. Uh, they're, they're getting an uh, get awards for the best the best characters or uh, the best story, the uh, the best audience experience, and uh, uh, I don't, don't want to say props, but uh, um, how how uh, the tools used to tell the story, um, and then we have a lot of fun with that. Um, so that's that's very typical uh, in our in, in in Scandinavian conventions that we have adventures that are very very rule light, right? And and often we are we we take touchy subjects. That's uh, we we go to the edge and sometimes a bit 
beyond uh, and and can we tell a for, for example we have a story about a girl who goes on a on a journey and she has this uh, conch shell that she's walking around with and it's very precious and somebody wants it and so on and so forth. and we go through this story and we meet individual and characters that are really really nasty and when we take a step back we realize this young girl is getting raped right and this conch shell that's her vagina that's somebody wants to get at and destroy and 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 she's coping with it by making this fantasy world wow that is pretty dark <laughs> it, it is yeah. uh, but it but we we tell it in in this light and fantasy world because that's where she escaped to right uh, so that's kind of some sometimes this is the kind of games that that are introduced right yeah interesting yeah and it's uh, that level of metaphor can often be uh, quite therapeutic i imagine and yeah. you know, these are these are important subjects and we just largely ignore them because if you don't handle them properly, it can be very... <clears throat> it can be very uncomfortable. Right. Um, and it's also some, because we, in, in the, these conventions, we, we, we set up and we know what game you're going into. You have signed up for it. And afterwards, uh, we have an introduction. We have some, some, some warm-up for it. Now we're going to play. And afterwards, we're going to have a debrief and just what did we play and how did you experience it how what was good what was bad and <laughs> and and uh, very relatively in the evening we're sitting drinking beers and and talking about our what games we have played because not all of them are this dark of course um <laughs> uh, there are also you know funny games and weird games and, but but there's this the story doesn't uh, it's the story that's important not the the the, the mechanics um, that's very typical Scandinavian, um, but I find that when we have have to play such such games, that there's a lot of communication back and forth. There's a lot of communication where we have to where are our boundaries? What can we do? What can't we do? And then when we go to play by post. I feel more comfortable knowing I have this rule system here. I have the, here's the boundaries. What can I do? What can't I do? So yep. we're going in with, with the, with the common understanding and what is, how is our playground defined? It says so in the book. Good. Yeah. And we can play within that. Um, well, there's a, you know, there's a, a kind of a dichotomy from pure storytelling to, running a game as a tactical board game you know like mech warrior is a game based upon BattleTech, <clears throat> which is a giant robots you're a pilot and you just so BattleTech itself is just a, a a combat game like or a military game you know with grids and it's just movement there's no role play at all no. mech warrior is a role-playing game that gets added onto it but really it's just you can just play it as a tactical board game, right? And and so it's it's a complex, crunchy rule set, but 
some people and even people people play D&D that way, which is this is just a, a simulator for a kind of um, board game. And it's, it's, you know, the I think really great games can be in both places, but I certainly prefer them in the middle. Though I yeah. don't know that I've ever really played a purely collaborative storytelling based game. Well, if you're playing something like Fate or or uh, some of the cipher uh, uh, games, that is going very much into the collaborate, where where the the player has a lot of say in the story. Right. Uh, yeah. The, but, but yeah, sorry. Well, no the uh, the apocalypse world setting, you know, dungeon oh, world yeah. and play powered by the apocalypse. Yeah. I'm really exploring that recently, and I think it really adds to that. And, and it took me a long time to really kind of grok how that system works in, in a GM's brain. But now that I've gotten it, I think it find really pushes that kind of improv style results. You know, you roll the dice and comes out and it's like, well, you succeed or you succeed, but there's a consequence or you succeed, but there's, or fail, but there's a really serious, you know, divergence. And so it doesn't really, it's not really like pass fail. It's more like, here's how to move the story forward, but introduce a new complication. And, and that, that, that can be really, really fun and really, really engaging. But if you're not totally clear on in what, what, what is your environment, what, what, what our, how is our sandbox defined, then that game gets... And then that can be really, really rough and, and, and really, really hard or uninteresting. Yeah. And you, you lose your players if, if, it is, if they don't know what are our ground rules and how can we expand. So I find playing in, in known universes, um, something like a, a Fantasy Flight's uh, Genesis system, yeah, we also have this pass-fail, but with a twist. Yeah, you're gonna you can succeed with failures or with threats, or you can pass uh, or you can fail your test but with successes, and then then you can model what does that what does that mean? I, I I shoot the bad guy but I miss but I get successes. Okay, I shoot him but behind him I hit something that causes a cloud and he had a hard time seeing now. That stuff stuff like that. Um, the first time I played in, in, in that system, it was uh, Star Wars. Known universe. I know what we can do. What can't we do? Uh, what is the expectation of a blaster pistol? Okay, I could do that. We know what happened. So that was a very established universe. And that made it easy because we all had the same frame of reference. Yeah. In a totally uh, new world, especially in sci-fi world, then it, it can be really tough. Because what can we do? What can't we do? Where is the technological boundaries uh, or a very magical world? What can't we do? What can we do? And I think that's some of the reason why some of the established uh, settings are so popular. We can say Forgotten Realms, and we all have a really f fine understanding what is, what can't, can we do, and what can't we do. Uh, especially if you also go into Dungeons and Dragons, then the rule sets are bountiful and we have a lot of reference. We all know what. But if we're going into uh, 
the husky system in a special place far, far away. We don't know what, what's what's this. Uh, okay, we've got a spaceship, but how does it work? Then then it could be difficult. Yeah. Yeah, there was a. Um, <clears throat> so I'm gonna say, there was a um, <clears throat> a game I was in last year, and it was lasers and feelings, or something like that. So <laughs> lasers and feelings is like you've got. A, a range of one to six. This is your entire character. You've got a range of one to six. You might be closer to lasers. You might be closer to feelings. And so whenever a check comes up, you figure out, is this more, is this a lasers test or a feelings test, right? And that's, everything revolves around that. And maybe you can roll two dice and set in some cases. We role played that in this sci-fi setting for like, just crazy. I, you know, there's, that game is still going and it's probably over 9,000 posts now. And it just started just over a year ago. So the, the system almost never comes up, but the GM had to lay out very strict rules about interpreting because we're just making everything up. It was just a made up sci-fi universe, maybe a little like Firefly. And um, so like, what could we do? What, what could our technology do? All of that, we just, she had to, just adjudicate as we went and, you know, and just, you know, so an, an out of channel kind or an out of character kind of um, discussion became very important for that. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's, you can't get better rules than lasers and feelings <laughs> without having no rules at all. <clears throat> yeah. Um, what we, my, just a, uh, just this Thursday, my 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 in real life group, or what you would call it, my my friends and I, we we actually met and started a Numenera game, uh, and uh, that is a fairly new universe for me. As I know it's almost everything goes in the, that uh, strange universe of Numenera, um, and and we started real cool because we just started make up a name and then we go from there. All the character creation and and all that stuff will will take next time. Right now, we're just starting an adventure and make a name and then react. Uh, and and we had a wonderful time and no rules at all. I think we rolled the dice five times that evening. Um, but the rest we just story told, just told each other the story. This character, okay. What does he do, and what uh, what's his name? And then it kind of bloomed up from from there. That was kind of a, a fun way to start. And then the next time we put rules on it. That's a great idea. That it's kind of like a a session zero. You get out together, you hash out what you really want to do with your characters, yeah. and then the GM knows what to expect. Uh, it was also a way to explore the character because I was just okay. I had an I had an an a name, uh, and then he the, my my GM just introduced some some uh, technological wonder that could teleport stuff. We had tossed stones. We were just kids. We had tossed stones in it and it appeared somewhere else. And when he introduced that, I was just my character. Is that is that, is that the kind of idiot who jumps into this teleporting portal? Yes, he is. Okay, <laughs> then I, I, also, I, I also I experienced uh, I did 
I experienced the character being created in front of me because I was going in blind and just, just okay, the, seeing how he developed in front of me. That was kind of cool. Uh, it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, yeah. I know that with um, the Savage Worlds game, we're playing it together. <clears throat> we kind of skipped over a bunch of that. And, and uh, th that was on purpose. I wanted to kind of jump in and really just kind of as I said said before, establish the stakes early and then yeah. get into some background stuff. But we kind of kept going. And I, I, at some point, I just need to stop us and, and really work on, you know, um, Ross's background. And yeah, just, so, because it, I think we're having a problem and we've, we've, we've talked about a little bit with. Yeah. That, that, that for, for those who don't know, <laughs> it's a Savage World game. We just started off. And we moved we moved fast and and got into a, a re, really in media race uh, jumped into a huge battle uh, and uh, for me in a way it's just I had a rough idea of the character but it's in uh, the the blue rose setting it's a new setting so I'm not fami super familiar with it so where is his place in that world that's that's where um, I, I, that was where I'm, I was struggling because where did he belong and what was important to him, um, and and that was kind of why it's just I, I kind of lost connection to the character because no, I didn't uh, figure out what's important to this guy anymore because we just running around after bad guys <laughs> yeah yeah and you know that's a problem i've had with numenera and it took me a while i just love the setting but it's such a wide anything goes kind of world like it's the whole world it's yeah it's the earth right and anything can be going on under the sea or in space or just anywhere and things are just going to operate weirdly i find every time i've played in numenera or even run a game the characters are all just like hobos with no background. Yeah. Like, nobody can really. <laughs> just a second. <laughs> Cat's about to topple something. <clears throat> Made the mistake of uh, using a cat tree for uh, a flag. Uh, yeah, rookie yeah. mistake. So, uh, so everybody just, the place is so large and so there's no set place you can really anchor to. Like in Star Wars, if there was just like, you know, 3.3 million planets and none of them were defined, you'd have a really hard time making a character without a lot of guidance, right? Yeah. And just say, well, is this a desert planet? Are we playing in a space station? But, you know, the they can just say, we're going to start off in Tatooine and Moss Eisley, or we're going to start off in Coruscant or, yes. or, or Rill and um, just go hard. Um, you know, the, the players can then wrap their heads around and grind, ground themselves in what life is like in that and build a character connected to that world. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's either that, go to something you already know, or start small. Yeah. So you're from this village. Yeah. It's in this planet, and it's this kind of planet. And then the first few sessions, it's just 
you know, figure out the, the, the village or, you know, somewhere where just contained, it's just, this is this little bubble you have to explore and get comfortable in and make this your anchor or this base. And then you can expand the bubble afterwards and just say, yeah. okay, we see the, the, we, we find our spaceship and then we go outside, uh, go into space and then, and then go explore that. Um, but then you still have your anchor. Yeah. Um, I actually I had a, a, a game with the Napkinson, um, the, the Salt March, uh, what's it called? Nightmare of the Salt March uh, um, uh, Dungeon Dragons game. Um, where our group, we were just, we were so well established. The, the, the group, it was, the, how did we character meet? It was one of the characters' birthday. And then all of a sudden we had this real, really uh, solid group. And we were first levels. And when we had a character death, it was all, it was just, it was too, actually, it was actually very, very difficult to keep going. Because the, the, the group that was so solid lost one of the, 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 the characters, and one of the, the brother of my character died. And it's just, why should I keep going on? Yeah. That was just, that, that was the, the other way. It's just, that was too much, too, too solid, too, too, uh, too, <laughs> too solid a foundation to keep playing on. And just, the, the game just fizzled, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and I had a long talk with, with Atkinson afterwards. Just, it was an awesome start. This, you meet in an inn because it's one of the guys' birthday. And fine, it was cool. We started. And all of a sudden, this, this, uh, it was, it, it made it actually hard to keep going on when we had a character death. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, one of the things I've, um, I've been meaning to ask people is, is there one thing you think that anybody who joins a play-by-post game like on Gamers Plane needs to know? Need to know. Yeah, so for example, yeah. like if you, uh, <laughs> um, part of the- uh, Yeah, yeah, the third guest. Um, part of the, uh, he's really old, he's like 11. Wow. Anyway, um, still agile though. So, so with the um, when you join a game like on Gamers Plane, some people will get in and they'll just kind of like take over, right? Just um, controlling other people's characters, having them do things, having you know, it's like oh, you, yeah. you feel like this about me, instead of allowing you to develop those reactions and the yeah. just missing that collaborative piece. So I think that's one one thing that really needs to be uh, established and for new users is it's collaborative yeah. and have patience um tabletop around the around the table uh, uh games there you have an instant response when you go into play by post you will have a response within a few days well uh, hopefully the same day but expect that it will take a 24 hours before you get a response to your action. And it is especially the, the impatient ones that, that I, I, I feel that this kind of, uh, um, that they rush forward. And then 
they they write a post and then if they are lucky enough there's another impatient guy and then there are two that's typing to each other uh, and all of a sudden there are 20 posts a day uh, and and yeah there, i was in a game actually that where ha- they had a few impatient characters or characters pay, uh, gamers so when i <laughs> when i went in i said okay guys you we 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 had we had a, a talk with the with the merchant here, and now you're already fighting the dragon. Um, I can't keep up with this. Um, so so this that we have a game pace, that's uh, something that should not be ignored. Yeah. It's actually it's it's um, it's it's something a new new. Uh, a new player should know that that you should have patience, and also when you just join the gamers plane uh, or any uh, forum like this, don't expect to jump into the game right away. Uh, of course, you you sign up and says, "Okay, I'm going to game today." Uh, it'll probably take a few days before there is an opening that you can actually join. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, when, that, when that's I, a good one because I think I think from site statistics, which are sometimes released, a lot of people join. They get their confirmation email. Maybe they make an introduction post, and then they just kind of disappear. And it could be it, that impatience, right? You want to play, and but you can't, right? Yeah. You log on, and you, you've you've got you've done the work. You've introduced yourself, and then it's just crickets for three days a week <clears throat> maybe yeah. and so then you just you never develop the habit of coming to the site to check and no. then you know a year later it's like oh yeah i made an account maybe i should go uh <clears throat> see if i can find something there yeah because uh yeah i i i, I pulled the statistic uh, or rather i got adam to pull the statistics for the gamers playing uh and i visualized it um uh, for a few weeks ago, and I'm actually having it on my second screen right now. Uh, and and it's, it's we have a lot of of, of players who never made a post, really? or just signed in, or or uh, or or never were in a game, just signed in, were there, but never really went to something. And I think it's it's hard to to get started and also you have to sign in to actually see what what is this all about um one of my projects is to make a an introduction to gamers playing video and maybe this is something that we could just have Kelleth put on the front page if it you know if it's suitable and just say so you're interested in gamers playing Here's a five-minute video that explains what you're going to what you're going to see and, and how to get around. So they make the they make the make an account, log in. They're already, you know, they've they've watched this brief video that says what to expect, and maybe yeah. that will increase engagement. Yeah, I, I remember when I remember when I started getting into to to play by post. I also saw similar. A video somewhere where play by post there was turtle pace and 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 
not not instant. So so um, it was one of those points as well. Um, and and I think we we actually have it as it's difficult to find a game because we are we're rather inconsistent in in how we advertise for our games. I feel. That sure. we 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 have we can we can advertise a game on Discord. I said I'm somebody interested there. Then you get the Discord uh, players. Uh, just a second. Sorry about that. No problem. Um, train of thought. There we go. Yeah. Um, the, the, we, we have our... our uh, uh, we, we advertise on, uh, on our Discord. We have the, the, the forum. And then we have the the find game uh, functions uh, on the site. And my impression is that that find uh, find a game system uh, that's on the site. That that's that people don't use that, or new players don't know what else to do. So they click the button find a game, and when they just Sign up for a game and say, click. I want to play this game. And by and they don't get into the game because the GM have already advertised this game into the forum or somewhere else. So these guys, these new players, they're using this find a game system. They don't find a game because the the players have already been found. Yeah, or. Um, and this happens because I, I run a lot of games. And so I get a lot of random requests to join games. So, you know, I started set up a, uh, a duet. So one on one, one player, one GM. Yeah. But due to a site um, quirk, you have to have two players. That's the minimum number of players you could have to create a game. Huh. So you can close a game so people can't apply to it because I'd invited the person. Yeah. But then somebody else sent a sent me a request like, "Hey, could I join your game?" It's like, well, you know, it's a it's a duet. Like I've already got the one player I created it for that person, and yeah. but they uh, they expressed enough interest that I just created a new duet for them, and we did something different. And so that's uh, so Squadfather forty four and I have been doing running this duet set in ancient Greece, which is a you know, a particular love of mine, it doesn't get nearly enough exploration in RPGs, at least in my circles. So, but, you know, I, I've played with Squadfather before. And so I knew who he was, but I do get requests for people. And it's like, brand new user, create an account today. No, no note or anything, just an application. Like, yeah, you know, Bob the Envoy is requested yeah. to join your game. You're like, well, you know, that's really easy to say no to. But they don't yeah. know. That, but they don't know that, right? No. I, I don't know them. They don't know what the protocols and the etiquette is. So I always try and at least message them and say, "This is why I'm reacting the way I am." Sometimes yeah. I let them in. Sometimes. I, I, 
I did something similar when when I started up my I have a spell jam game going because that was also ah. a setting up that I feel lacked some love. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and I, I I remember I also got a lot of just these blind requests without uh, any without even a message to me. Just click. I want to sign up. It just. I ended up having a copy paste messages. This is how we do. We I asked on on the forum. I asked for players who are interested. There is this premise about the game. We have to agree on that. So and so and so and so, uh, and and that's the way we we we, we currently do it. Um, but the, the 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 setup of the site doesn't really support it or or support another way of of joining a game. Um, so that was would be something that would be on the top of the list should we make an introduction video to how to join a game on Gamers Playing. Yeah, and if <clears throat> if designing, we, we, we don't want to re reinvent the wheel, and I don't want to make any work for the game designers, but you might kind of think that that join a game premise, you go there and you just join a game right that, that's what it's called it's not like yeah. find a game or no, no, you know, here's a list here's a list of games you might not be able to join yeah it's join a game right so you, you go through it and it's like well i i did everything that was asked of me how yeah. come i'm not in the game yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and and uh, can I, uh, that would be frustrating for everyone yeah it could be it's for just, sure I, I signed up i did all the stuff that i was supposed to do i still unsure what how things are working i did what what uh, the guide said I should, and it didn't work. And then I'll do it. Okay, fine. I'll go somewhere else. And I think that's the reason why we have uh, so many users that have never really engaged. Um, yeah. Yeah. I actually think that uh, one of the practices that uh, I've seen in in the later day. Uh, in the last what six months or so, that's when somebody starts a game. Say, I'm, "Do someone want to join my game? I want at least one or two brand new players." Yeah. Um, and I, re I when I saw that, I said, "Okay, I'm doing that as well." As a GM, when I call for players and say, "Yeah, I'm just starting up, but I also want a new player because, boy, Qualoc, he's he's in plenty of games. He doesn't need to get into mine, but." Uh, uh, th this guy who's brand new, yeah, I, I want to take you in and show you how how the game is. Um, yeah, and that's a great idea because you know, and if you're a new player watching this and you're you've just joined Gamers Playing and found this somehow, yeah. um, one of the issues with new players is because of this attrition rate. You set up a, you set up a game. You've got four to six players. They're playing. And then somebody just disappears, right? You know, there's yeah. well, what happened to this guy? He hasn't posted in two weeks, or this or this woman, and she hasn't posted in you know a month, and now she's got yeah. these little Zeds by her name. Yeah, and and so it just it can really drag a game down to a to a, to a crawl. So some GMs are quite re quite reluctant to rely on new players, but I think your idea of having you know, some core solid posters, people you're familiar with at least. Yeah. And then having a few people, because if one or two people disappear, it's just not a, yeah. yeah. You're not the whole game isn't resting on their shoulders necessarily. No. So yeah, it's a good idea. 
Now, the uh, one of the other things you talked about, and <clears throat> and um, when we were discussing what we might talk about today, was um, enhancements for gamers playing and other role yeah. posts. Like the one I use a lot is um, on the fly battle map. Yeah. Well, I don't use it a lot. I don't. I try and steer away from combat in games as much as I can because it can really lag things down. It, it can, but but, but it also... but, but it makes it that on the fly battle map, and we'll, we'll we'll do a video at some point of just kind of demonstrating how it works. But it allows you token based grid combat like you would typically see with miniatures on a board. It's really easy to set up. It you know a few parameters. Um, a link to a website and he posted as an image tag in the game. So it takes yeah. very little to set up and bam, you've got um, a game map. And theoretically the players can just use the same coding, move their player, post a new um, image call and it, yeah. it, it advances everything. It is, it's really brilliant and really easy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also using it to, to just indicate where our, uh, where are my players currently? Because again, I, I'm, I'm running a, a my my spelljammer game, and there they are exploring a ship. So I have I have I have a map uh, or, or or a grid. It's just showing the image of the ship, and then I just set the tokens. Says, okay, I got these guys in the mess hall. I got those players. They are up at the artificer's workshop. Uh, I got this one in the crew cabin, and it's just a quick image of where are people right now. Yeah. Uh, and and who can make a scene together who can interact together and who should say i'm going to move to another scene to interact in the scene yeah. um and and i find that really helpful just to give a, a snapshot says this this is the this is the ship someone on the deck someone is below where are they and then just move on cuz it's just an idea of where are people yeah um, yeah, and you could use it for a space map too. Like if you were playing Star Trek, and you could have a whole map of you know Alpha Quadrant out. Yeah. Just very because you can have put an image on the background of this grid map. Yeah. Put a token on this on grid mark you know D four, and it's like okay, you guys are in sector zero zero one, or maybe you're yeah. on a, a Romulan neutral zone or wherever. And so it's just there. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Visually plays. It's it and it's it, it is an easy way to because one of the things uh, with play by post is we have to be really clear in our communication uh, when we play on the t uh, uh, tabletop then we can quickly have a back and forth of uh, of of uh, questions is are we there are we there okay we're there um, but when you're playing paper by post then it's are we there or we're there. Wait, tw wait 20 hours, we're there. Okay, uh, that's, that slows it down. So can we have some tools to help it ease us in our communication? And I find imagery really helps to, to, to illustrate or to, to, to move the, the, tell the story or help enhance my storytelling. That's just giving an image or um, this, where are we or, if I'm going for a specific uh, feeling or um, what what feeling would I like to in introduce into my players? 
then I could find something, a small video, a GIF, or something. Says, this is the feeling. Um, yeah. I yeah, had with, uh, with, with Adam's extension. Um, Adam's extension makes it if, wonderful. But if you put a vi if you put a YouTube link, it actually shows a preview at the bottom, and so you yeah. can actually click it in line. Whereas the um, base site, um, at least as of yesterday, it might be integrated slowly. Uh, yeah just has the link and so you have to click to it you have to leave the site watch the video and come back yeah yeah <clears throat> that's actually why i'm starting to using a uh, gifs more often if i can find a gif because that can that's a small video video that can be embedded directly into the imagery uh yeah. directly into the post um you know i i had to my, my characters they were meeting a, a swarm of bugs just I, I want to make clear that th this is creepy and uncomfortable. I find the uh, small gift showing the swarm of box from the mummy, the uh, movie The <laughs> Mummy, and it was just I put this just this is the mood I want to set. Yeah, and I got a, one of my characters says this creeps me out totally <laughs> more than you could describe that gift that creeps me out. It's wonderful because um, that kind of stuff. That that kind of in, enhances the, my my experience. Um, yeah, no, and as a player, um, I love it when play when GMs put that in. No, the Calogel will um, often put battle music at the beginning of his post for every round of combat. It's like here's just a link to YouTube, some battle music. Yeah. You know, you click that, gives you some. Yeah, it's just it's it's it's. It's something I use at around the table, right? I've always got music playing. And yeah. I have a playlist and I'll manage the playlist. And so if they get into a dark, creepy situation, I switch to dark, creepy playlist, right? Yeah. And you can see the mood change around the table. It's uh, and adding that to uh, a forum is <clears throat> definitely noteworthy. Yeah. Um, I also find that that uh, I'm, I'm starting using a Hero Forge. Uh, it's a website where you can design your, your tabletop hero, um, but you can also paint the characters in that. So, so you actually can make a figure and you can actually make your character look like, you make your character and then you make the figure and then you could just take the image of that figure. Because then you can put in a different pose or, something different and it yeah. oh, uh, and it makes it easy to to have a avatar of your character that you can tweak along the way and say okay have this ever at uh, this character and he has a dark bowler or something but uh, just yesterday there was some uh, some assets were uh, tossed out in it okay and then he no longer has his bowler fine i'm making go in find my figure and just delete the bowler and then, then we have his, uh, his bare head. <laughs> and it, it kind of is just a small thing, um, but kind of having this, that's just, it makes it more fun and interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Um, another and more important tool that I use, it's actually a browser extension called Grammarly um, yeah. that I am slightly dyslexic. <laughs> um, even that is a hard word. Um, That's the <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, and English is uh, my second language, so I make mistakes from time to time. 
um, and just having this uh, Grammarly sets, it's a spell checker and also a grammar checker. And it just made it makes it easier for me to write a good post. I just yeah. have had a bit of support and says, I'll write my post and say, okay, this is uh, hell should be have or the other way around. And, and just make, make a better quality post and easier for the other player to read. Yeah. Um, now, I do almost all my gaming on this device right yeah. here, a yeah. Samsung S10, right? Now, yeah. this is tiny. So yeah. I had, um, so if I'm making a post, <clears throat> and here's, a, here's an example. So if I want to make a post, you can't see that, can you? No, no, just white screen. So, um, you know, on the screen, you've got like a post and then you've got like this little box at the bottom yeah. for um, uh, the post. And the Grammarly adds a little button into the bottom corner of the text box. Okay. At least my, my, my version did. And so then on the mobile. And so I was constantly getting to the end of a line. And then I couldn't type anymore because because I'd, I'd hit that and then it would take me to like this. Well, here's what you know the word the actually means. Oh, long, so I was constantly having to fight Grammarly. To, so yeah. on a computer, I would definitely use it yeah. <laughs> if I was if I was posting like an adult. <laughs> I, I I actually primarily use my computer for for posting. Yeah. Um, I seldom use the my my. My, my phone because it's just yeah I've gotten dependent on having the, the, the tools and the overview and I'm also zooming in on the screen to, to see what I'm writing and it's just it's a bother um, so yeah. the longer post I'm, I can't write longer post on, on, a, on my phone that's nah getting too old <laughs> yeah so um Adam's extension. So for people who haven't used it, it's an extension for Chrome. Chrome and Firefox yeah. and, and uh, other uh, browsers uh, that are based on Chrome, um, like Brave, the Brave browser. I'm using yeah. that one. Yeah, so on my, on my phone, I'm using Kiwi browser because the, the Chrome and the Firefox apps don't ex, um, accept extensions. Plus, you know, Google is just a giant data mine, and who knows what they're really who knows what they're really doing, right? Those Google guys. So, yeah. Kiwi browser is um, designed to be highly. They don't keep any of your data. They don't mine it. They don't serve you ads based upon your experience. But they also use extend allow extensions on mobile. So, Adam's um, extension, which um, works mostly on Android browsers works just fine on Kiwi. And so on my phone, you know, I get all those extra tools. And one of those is putting um, backgrounds on your yeah. web pages. And so I've really started doing that. And, <clears throat> and um, it's just, uh, that's one feature that doesn't work on the, on the mobile actually. No. And so now I'm using my laptop more and more because I just want to see these beautiful backgrounds I put on like our Savage Worlds game or. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's just a small thing to have these background images, but it does so much. It, it kind of, it sets, the th it sets the mood of this game and what, 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 what is this game and helps differentiate if, if you are in several games, just 
okay, then I'm in. I I have a ship, uh, a spaceship in this background. Okay, this is a spaceship game. Or then I drop to another page, and there's got a beautiful forest, and then it's a blue rose game. It's, it, it helps set the mood, and and where is where should your mindset be? Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Well. I don't want to take the too long. Um, ah. These videos get really long, and I'm not yeah. sure that does anybody any good. But <laughs> I, one... I think we also got around to some of the some of the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now, one one question I do have, and yeah. you've kind of answered it offline, I think. But um, being a Danish speaker, I assume Danish is, the, is yeah. The... <laughs> you, you, so you speak Danish, and um, most role playing games. I think are published in English. Yeah, I know that there's a wealth of stuff comes out of Germany and from and from Scandinavia. Just some great games, and I've, yeah. as they're translated to English, you know, you just jump into them because they're so good. <clears throat> but do you find um, in your real life experience that not being native English is a is a a um, a challenge? Does it, does it create a, an obstacle? No, no. Uh, we are a, Denmark is a small country. That's a really small country. So, and, and we know it and we don't try to fight it because, so we are taught English uh, at, at school from, or I just think fourth grade, we're starting to, to teach uh, our kids English because and then we just speak it and just take it as a second language. So, uh, so, so it's it's so it's the second language of Denmark then. Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't translate our movies or TV shows. It's subtitles, and then we go with the originals. So we hear a lot of English. We we see it. We read it. So having a core book in English is not an issue. Right. Actually, it's a, when I, I play one of the the, the Swedish games. Where it's in Swedish, yeah, that's an issue. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because there are small differences in the Danish and the Swedish language, and these small differences they are important. Um, <laughs> so there's that, that's that's difficult. I'd rather read it in in in, in English than I would read it in Swedish. Um, uh, so so no, it's not a problem at all. But but again, that's because we 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 that's just the way then uh, the Danish are. We would just learn English because we we know we know that the Danish language is too small to be anything international. And I also see some some uh, games from uh, Danish game designers are directly translated into English because they know that's where the market is. So that almost doesn't bother with. A Danish version, only only in the beta version of the game or the first draft, they'll just make it in, in Danish and try that out. Um, but when when it gets released, directly to English. Yeah, you you talked earlier about how maybe this was offline, but but how you at one point had a brief um, interest in you said Native Indian, and I took that to yeah. be mean Native American Indian. Versus yeah. native yeah. continental India. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I backed a Kickstarter recently called Coyote and Crow. 
Man, so this is a, a unique, I've long wanted to run a uh, native, you know, indigenous first nations, first North Americans game, but it's, it's so hard. There's 500 in some cultures, right? They're all unique. They're yeah. all, you can't just like, this is how um, <clears throat> this group works or how na natives in, in a, as a group work. So coyote and crow is all native, um, um, for North Americans, as artists, as the authors, as the game designers, they have a few like people outside of the, their cultures that um, assist them with some things. But and their response has just been fantastic. Like just a great Kickstarter, like you know, a couple million dollars in backing, and really looking forward to that. But one of their key things is that they want to make it really easy that you can take your your culture, like locally where I am, um, there's the Blood Nation, there's the um, <clears throat> Stony and the Nakoda and, you know, and the Sutina. There, there's just these various different cultures that speak completely different languages yeah. and have different practices. And, but they're all very close to each other geographically, right? And so you can kind of lump them all together, but they're all very different. So in Coyote and Crow, they're really trying to get um, give people the tool set to make their own culture as a part of the world. Like, here's what you need to do to fit, you know, structure the descriptions for your culture so it matches the rest of the descriptions. Yeah. But, you know, and, and but that's a, it's one of those problems of having a, some, some of these cultures, there's two people left just talking the language, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to, you're not going to write it. You're not going to get a game designed to that. <clears throat> when I get the, the, the time and the headspace and I'm, I wanted to dive into a, a, a Trudvang uh, is a, uh, is a Scandinavian or, or Swedish uh, uh, setting. It is really a dark Norwegian forest. It is a tall forest and 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 deep dark tor uh, forest with trolls and and worms and um, uh, slithering dragons and all this stuff. Uh, I want to I want to dive into that because that's really North uh, Nordic uh, uh, games, yeah. but it's a this the setting is very Viking uh, like, but. Or the theme is very like Viking-like, but the setting I just have to have time to read it through and then get into it um, before before I'm going to 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 to, to tackle that. Yeah, they 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 made a a, um, a Dungeon Dragon Fifth Edition conversion, uh, and I kickstarted that, uh, so I have that plus a few of their adventures. Of, at some point, I'm going to do that when I have, when I dare, when I have the headspace to it. Yeah, I know um, one of my favorite of those Scandinavian games is uh, Simbaroom, and um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's pretty fantastic. It's just really this dark, creepy forest where just bad things happen, and the farther you go in, it's just you're just going to die, right? You're going to mm -hmm. get corrupted and die. And so humans are kind of encroaching, but they find like there's, you know, it's just a really dark and foreboding setting, but it's brilliant in its layout and it's in its flavor. And, but the game is just, the game itself I find is really just 
not that great. The, the game rules that they came up with. Yeah. So they've they've um, converted it to fifth edition recently, and that should make it a lot more enjoyable. But I worry about fifth edition too because it's got such a steep power curve, right? Like you make a seventeenth level fighter, and he's yeah. just going to wade. They're, they're, that character is going to wade through most obstacles, and that isn't at all Simbarum. Now. That's that's actually a, a thing that um, I looked forward to in the uh, when when I kickstarted the fifth edition of of um, of, of Trudvang, because they had a very different uh, approach to magic. Uh, the original uh, rules, the rules were the the the, it, the the magic rules were you can either do it the 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 easy way where you just you know the, the easy dark way. Easy to get powerful, but the consequences were big. Uh, if you if you fumbled, then uh, you got really uh, then it got really bad. If you fumble that uh, when you're using dark magic, so to speak, and if you took the light path, it was di- more difficult. It couldn't do as much, but there was no consequence of fumbling. So there was this: uh, 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 Do you want to get powerful fast, and then there's a cost, or do you want to? get uh, powerful but slow uh, then then it's it's safe that kind of of uh, difference uh, that, that kind of magic system is not supported by fifth edition and I th- kind of think that's a danger converting too many systems into fifth edition uh, dungeon and dragons then you lose some of the uh, some of the setting or no, not sorry, setting the, some of the themes that the system, uh, the original system was supporting, you lose that. Yeah. Um, so when, when you pick up a system, it's also what kind of adventure can this system provide? Um, do you want a nitty gritty and, and really detailed uh, system? What can you do and can't you do? Uh, go with GURPS or something. Uh, do you want it very light? Uh, go with this. You, what, what, you, what should this game system, what, should, what can it do for you to, to support the story you want to tell? Um, and converting everything to fifth edition, then, then, then you only tell one kind of story. Yep. That's being a super, uh, uh, being a hero that goes out and hits stuff with your weapon, and um, and that's the way you solve problems, kill stuff, yeah. take the loot, um, all good things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, uh, of course there are good, uh, uh, fun uh, adventures in in that, but there are some stories that you really can't tell because the 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 guy who took the easy pace, uh, easy path to power versus the one who took the slows and save you can't tell that story because right. it's not supported by the system then you have to tweak the system in some weird way uh, or house rule it if you want to tell that story right. yeah and you know maybe a fifth edition aficionado might say well that's really the difference between a wizard and a warlock but when you create a level one character you're not role-playing the five or 10 years that the wizard was in school. It's like, all of that's been done. The, yeah. the warlock is like, hey, Bob, can I have some power? Done, right? Yeah. Like, all right, let's go kill stuff. But yeah. him, they're on, you know, fairly equal footing with that wizard when you start the game. And all of that light path, dark path stuff is just 
it's flavor you could add to the game, but you could also just completely ignore it. I think yeah. most people do. And sometimes I think that if the system support the flavor, it, it get you, you get a better game experience. Uh, and you feel that your that your choices have a consequence. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's uh, that's almost an entire new conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. I know it's getting yeah. late there. There's an eight-hour time difference, and yeah. one of the one of the cool things about play by post is in our savage worlds blue rose mashup there's you and bowl of spinach are both in you know central europe time zone um the other two players are both i think it's german yeah and the other two players are on uh north on the eastern seaboard of the north america and i'm in the west and so you and i are eight hours apart but the game i don't think that doesn't matter Right. It would be hard for us to play on roll 20 or something. Yeah. That's, and that's another thing. Roll 20, there you have to say, we'll meet at this time. But what play by post is just, well, right now I can't do it because the child is screaming her head off. And then I'll go sort that. And then, then I can go in and play. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll see a post. I'm like, isn't it the middle of the night over there? Like, what are you, what are you doing posting? <laughs> well, it is the middle of the night. <laughs> just winding down from the day and just checking the post and saying, oh, I can answer that one and react that one. And yeah, yeah, yeah. If wait for her to wake up and cause a fuss, and I can <laughs> put it back down. And once I've done that, then I go to bed. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, thank you very much for finding a way to to make this work. And I think this is a great conversation. Yeah, and uh, thank you for making these videos. I think it was an awesome idea to to get us up there, to to put a name to our faces, the other way around, face to our names. Yeah, you know, and I'm the the worst person to do this. Like, (laughs) I, I have no experience whatsoever posting things on YouTube. I uploaded one video prior to the one I did a week yeah. ago. And, um, but the community support is awesome as always, as it is with gamers playing. And so, yeah. um, you know, it's definitely, definitely been a great series of conversations. I'm hoping, I'm looking forward to the much more we have. And yeah. I actually have a bit of experience with, uh, with it. Um, my my first job out of uh, university that was um, what one of my jobs uh, tasked within that that was actually editing videos from PhD students hmm. that who were going to some conference and they were just to get some funding from from our group then you had to make a short video telling about whatever science they were doing and just they if they couldn't figure out to do it themselves sent me some material and i cobbled it together yeah so i've done a little video editing and and uh, put it on facebook so sorry facebook uh, youtube um so i have a little editing experience so yeah well youtube certainly makes it easy like their tool set is pretty powerful even closed captioning one of the users 
sent me a thing. He's like, can you enable closed captioning? Because I'm hard of hearing. It's like, wow, that's uh, that's entirely worthy. And so I just checked into it and YouTube just figures it out, right? Within a couple hours of putting up a video, they've just, they've added their attempt at what the dialogue is supposed to be and you can go in and edit it. And so like my, like my name, Crawl Lock, sometimes it's Crawl Lock and sometimes it's Crawlag or something or, and D&D is always just random. Sometimes just DD or DND or gamers playing is generally random. So, but it's powerful and it's accurate. So the actual editing is really just reading it and finding the occasional flaw. So that kind of stuff is definitely, I probably would have had a much harder time five years ago. Yeah, but the voice recognition has gone uh, gotten very far in the last few years. Yeah, uh, and that's all these uh, um, digital assistants like uh, Siri, Apple Siri, and the Google Assistant. It's all voice recognition and turn that uh, uh, voice into to text, then can be recognized by the algorithm. Uh, so it's probably the same algorithm running through it just listen to all of that we has said and just identifying the words and then writing them down. Yeah. Um, so probably the same thing that when you say, hello, Google, do this, it's the same ear, digital ear that, that hear both. Yeah. Well, thank you, for joining me. Yeah. On Gamers Explain, I'm Crawluck, and uh, thank you for all for joining us. Yeah, it was fun. Have a good night, and I'm just starting my day. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good day, then. Thank you. Hi, this is QQNAA. Crawlicks questions and asks answers or something like that. This is a viewer mail segment. And so I have a question or a comment from Gamers Plain user Adam. And it's a pretty good one. He says, as you've played in more games than anyone else, do you find there are some players that you find yourself completely incompatible with? You might like them as people, but are unable to play with them. Then he says, to be honest, surely the answer to this is yes. Well, Adam, of course the answer is yes. Uh, It might not be a surprise to most people watching this that the internet is a place of conflict. (laughs) At least largely it seems that way. And so we run across people and rub them the wrong way and that happens in reverse as well. And so certainly there are people that I have found that I just don't play well with. And so what do you do about that? Well, the first one is that you have to realize, because it isn't 1994, we've had a little bit of time at this internet thing. And sometimes the way you come across on the internet in any kind of conversation or exchange isn't the way you intend. It's perceived differently by other people who are reading things differently than the way you write them. And so it isn't personal. Like you can't take any of this personally. 
And so if you run into somebody that you're constantly having misunderstandings with, which is largely where I get frustrated, then what you have to do is simply um, avoid them. You don't, there's no benefit in conflict, really. You can let them know that there's a um, reoccurring miscommunication between the two of you if you feel that that's important, but largely uh, I would recommend just keeping a short list of people that you know you're likely to run into problems with, not because they're bad people, but because you communicate in slightly different styles that have proven to be somewhat incompatible. So I do have a list and I've maintained it. And I started this list maybe three years ago, simply because I was forgetting. I'm as user Adam pointed out, I've been playing a lot of games. And so I've run across a lot of players, sometimes more than once. Um, and, but to be honest with you, the list is quite short. If you only look at active users, most of the people on the list have um, long disappeared. And a few of the people on the list know who they are. And I'm sure I'm on their list too, <laughs> for the same reason. We just communicate badly with each other. So um, I always think to myself, these are probably great people. They're probably just, you know, people I have at my table and we'd be able to hash things out. But on the internet, things just don't always work out that cleanly. So um, I would recommend just try not to take things personally. Recognize there's a communication barrier that it's you, it's the internet, and it's the other person. We're just not designed as living animals to communicate effectively in this way without a lot of effort. And so um, <clears throat> don't make things rough. Hi, and welcome to Crawlockian Lore. In the segment Crowlockian Lore, I will be giving you short tips and tricks on how to use the site. So this can be pretty short. This is one of the tricks that I learned fairly late into it. It's a design feature. If I go to the latest posts, so this shows all the games that I'm in and various posts that have occurred. And you'll notice on the right-hand side, there is a black page icon. And over here, there's a down arrow. So I always, always use the down arrow. And what that does is it takes you to the last post in a game. So for example, if I go to <clears throat> this interest check, if I click it, then it takes me to the last post. Now, if you're in a game where there's a lot of activity, the last post may not be where you need to catch up from. You might need to go to the last unread post. And that's what this black box is for. So if I click on this black box, it takes me to the last unread post. Now in this case, the last post that's unread is also the last post because I'm pretty good at keeping up on it. But we recently started a Tales from the, from the Loop game, 
so based upon the Swedish RPG. And in the first day, we had probably 25 posts. And the players are scattered all over the world. One's in Germany, the GM's in South Korea, I think. I'm in North America. And so when you wake up to a game that's fairly active, especially in the beginning, you might find nine, 10, 15 posts have occurred while you were sleeping. So this black um, <clears throat> page icon says view new posts when you hover over it. And that's exactly what it's for. It takes you to the first unread post in the thread. And that is my Krolakian lore for the day. Hi, and thank you once again for joining me on Gamers Explain in our fourth episode. Thanks to Runkendig for recording an interview with me. Thanks for Adam, or thanks to Adam for sending in his question. Um, remember to hit like, subscribe, hit the little bells to get notifications when a new video goes up. Um, I also want you to get out a D12 and roll it because D12s are awesome. Next week, we'll, in our fifth episode, we've recorded an interview with Lavender Todd. Uh, she's a Gamers Plane user. She has a webcomic. She's a novelist in the works and just a great person. So we had a great interview and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. I'm Krawluck and this has been Gamers Explained.